welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding, Ken's Movie Reviews. Great to be back with you this week, and we're going to continue our trek through some older movies, since the theaters at the moment are not exactly accessible. Uh, This week we're going to bring to you the sequel to the first Kingsman film, Kingsman and the Golden Circle. As always, we will begin with a spoiler-free section where we talk about whether this is something you would want to see in the movie theater, which obviously at the moment is not exactly possible, whether it's something that you would want to wait for on streaming, maybe buy on Blu-ray, or maybe it's just something to catch on TNT once they edit commercials into it. Now, if you saw the original Kingsman film, it was... um, it's, I like to call it a popcorn film, maybe not the best uh, definition in the world, but it's just something kind of light, action-y, fun that uh, you can kind of watch, not, for the most part, think too hard about, just kind of enjoy it as it happens. Um, uh, the second installment, I believe, falls into the exact same category. Um, if this was playing in the theaters and you needed something to just kind of go and watch, and have some fun, absolutely, this is something I would see in the theaters. I think it would lend itself quite well to the large screen and the better environment. Uh, As far as if you're going to take somebody with you, um, kind of depends. There is a small scene within this that, depending upon the type of person that you are, could be considered slightly uncomfortable in a group setting, but otherwise still just kind of like that fun popcorny type of film. Now, um, getting into the spoiler heavy section, we will be dissecting this down into cast, director, costuming and props, location, cinematography, plot and writing, and we'll add all those totals up, which will get fun numeric values, and it will add up to a potential total of 100 points. Um, uh, as always, a lot of this is going to be a matter of subjectivity, um, but just from, again, if you liked the first film, it is highly probable you will like the second film. So let's start with one commonality from the first to the second film. Um, the director returns, and um, Matthew Vaughn is a director that's kind of had some mixed results for a lot of people. I've liked most of the stuff that uh, he has made. Obviously, I, I liked the the previous uh, film in this. I liked, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, I liked it, Kick-Ass. Um, the, the, a lot of the stuff that he has made that I've liked. Um, his Fantastic Four work? Uh, maybe, maybe not so much. Uh, <laughs> now, to be fair... Um, he was, um, he was not the director of uh, Fantastic Four, just a producer on it. But, um, you know, it's one of those things, uh, an X-Men first class. I loved X-Men first class. I mean, to have the same director that made the film that you liked before come back is kind of a, a nice thing just because it has a certain amount of, um, consistency that it lends itself to. And this is going to be a fairly quick review because a lot of these things are going to be very similar between the two movies. So I'm just going to kind of focus on things that are different. So same director, same quality. I gave him a 17 last time. I'll give him a 17 this time. Um, Going on to the cast, a lot of reprising roles. Um, You still have um, Taron Egerton um, come back. You've got... um, 
you know, just a lot of familiar faces, if not for the whole movie, for, for sections of it. And then they fill out uh, with some with some new people. I mean, you've got Halle Berry coming into it. You've got um, you've got Julianne Moore, who I love in pretty much everything. She's just uh, a delight in most things that I watch her in. Um, and I and I can't state this enough um, on the returning side. Mark Strong is just one of my one of my favorite actors to see him in. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. Colin Firth is still just excellent in this. Um, Jeff Bridges has a, a smaller part in this, which is kind of nice. Same thing with Channing Tatum, uh, who has a, a, a smaller part. Um, and, I mean, it's just solid, the whole cast. I mean, you got people that know what they're doing um, and reprising roles, maintaining the same kind of type of characters they were. That's consistent. And that's uh, both through writing and through performance. But on the performance side, they all kind of kept things the way that it needed to uh, alluded to character growth, even though there really wasn't what I would call the best opportunity for character growth in a film like this. There's, there's tiny, tiny shades of it, but this is an action movie. So it's just not something that you can normally expect. Uh, but again, fantastic cast that all did a great job. Um, I got to give them again, just like before 17 out of 20 on that. Um, much like the previous movie, the costuming and props is going to be pretty important. Um, now, most of the, the normal costuming, you don't have to do a heck of a lot uh, to, to really impress. I mean, you got to have some suits. you got to have some Western wear. You've got to have some 50s-inspired feel stuff, uh, the, the kind of the gadgets to go with the, the spy game side of it. Um, I would say they did a better job. I mean, they did, I think, an equally good job on the costuming. I think they did a better job on the props this time. Um, I would say that would uh, that would probably increase the the score that I would normally give it because I mean the gadgets in a spy film uh, are important and they need to have just kind of a certain a feel of uh, I mean that gravitas isn't the right word because that's more of a person thing but it's got it's got to have an ambiance that goes along with it I think that they were able to give that to, to some of the stuff in this second film that just didn't have in the first film. Uh, that could be completely on me, but I, I liked the little link in the uh, the whiskey bottle with the, the emblem. I liked the um, I liked the design of the the lasso and the bolo whip. That was extremely well done. Um, I liked um, the little. Um, water flask. I'm not entirely sure what that was supposed to be. It seemed like a water flask that turned into a bomb. That was that was pretty solid. I mean, the gadgets all really were still thematic and they were still fun, but they seemed just a little bit better this time. So I'm going to give it an eight as compared to the seven on the previous time. Locations were okay. Uh, I mean, they were solid, kind of like the last film. Nothing to just be amazed at um, a lot of similar locations, a lot of uh, new fields uh, going up into the mountains um, where I felt some of it was a little more plain than the previous film. When they did go into something different like uh, the Poppyland area, that's, that's almost uh, essentially a theme park. 
it made up for it because that had a lot more flavor, a lot more pizzazz than I felt that the previous film had. The previous film was more kind of uh, an homage to the the James Bond in a very uh, vanilla way with just a small spin on it. it. At least that's what it felt like. This had a lot more identity to it. Um, and I thought it, I thought it did better. So while some of it suffered and, and was less impressive where it was more impressive, it was more eye popping. So I'm going to probably maintain the previous score that I did on the previous film with this one locations being an eight out of 10. Um, now, one of the areas that both of these films have really kind of shined on, so long again, so long as you don't look too deeply into it, is cinematography. Uh, the opening fight sequence in the film is fantastic. I mean, it's it's got everything that you need with the movement, uh, with the the just hyper realistic uh, interactions, uh, fighting that you're just not going to see anywhere. It's not realistic, but it's close enough to realistic to, to really kind of rope you in and it's neat and it's, it's acrobatic and it's really engaging the, the mechanical arm part of it. Um, I thought while a stupid idea in general the way it was visually executed was quite nice. Both arms were individual, were were neat, and what they did was kind of cool. I mean, very plot hammery in some respects, but uh, all in all, I think that it they did pretty good with that. I mean, the CGI in general was just pretty solid and flowed pretty well throughout most of the movie. The explosions were good. The effects were pretty solid if not necessarily adhering to general physical principles sometimes. But again, it's kind of a movie that you don't have to think too hard about how things would actually work. <laughs> but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the the car that turns into the sub, kind of a, another callback to the, the old James Bond-style stuff, though with the, the windshield busted out so there's no protection against the water. That was kind of a fun twist. Um, I mean, all in all, um, the, the way that they worked in the special effects overlay onto everything was pretty seamless. I didn't see anything that stood out as a glaring error. Um, and, and when they wanted to go over the top on some of the stuff, like the robotic dogs and, and poppy land, it was, while it was over the top, it was fun. It was just kind of, um, it was, it's hard, it's hard to put, it's not intended to be something that's, that's a scary effect. It's just kind of, it, it gives you just this kind of little pop, uh, a lot of stuff, the, uh, the, uh, salon, uh, robot and a similar, most of the stuff basically in, in the popular and had that kind of feel to it. And it was just, I mean, all in all the, the, um, the transitions were solid. They didn't do the annoying thing where, oh, giant block letters, London, you know, that sort of stuff. That's, that's always appreciated. Um, you know, just, I mean, just it, it was, it flowed well and it looked good. I mean, that's pretty much all you can hope for on cinematography. I mean, there were some minor hiccups here and there, but, but nothing to, to really be terrible. So I, I probably would give this the same score as I would the previous film as well, giving it a 17 out of 20. Now, the real shortfall, I think, is in the writing. So I have a handful of different issues with the film. Um, I understand the want to bring back 
previously popular characters, um, specifically Colin Firth, uh, and even even uh, the um, even the villain side of things. I mean, you were able to end up bringing back Edward Holcroft uh, from his previous position. But but here's the thing: the character of Galahad uh, got shot in the head through the eye socket and the Charlie character should have had his head exploded and they had to do some major writing gymnastics to get them to both be alive. One with pseudo technology and one with uh, malfunctioning technology. Now the pseudo technology is a little easier to swallow because, oh, they're super smart and they found a way to use nanites to repair. Okay, fine, fine. I can I can kind of get behind ignoring the ridiculousness of some of that considering neuroscience and how it works, but most people aren't going to know enough about that for that to bother them. Okay, fine, whatever. But the premise in the previous film of these implants exploding the heads uh, upon command and all of them being triggered, why would an electrical shock change that to blow off the arm? The location of the implant, what's in the head? Are you telling me that the shock made it move to his arm? That doesn't make any sense. Even in a kind of a a fake fantasy sci-fi world that makes no sense at all. Um, that that threw me off just a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like the actor and I like the character and the way they integrated it. Other than that, was fine. But that was really hard for me to get past, even in something as simple as this, where I can kind of turn my brain off. <clears throat> but there were a lot of other, just kind of weird things that they did with the writing of it. Um, uh, I mentioned in the previous review that they had that one very oddly sexual encounter with uh, Eggsy and the princess uh, that was just didn't make any sense. They even made reference to it in this film because they're dating now. Okay, the dating part, fine. The callback was unnecessary. I think it was more important to forget it completely. So trying to brush it off the way they did just reminded me how bad that original uh, reference was. And kind of leads me into the the weird attempt to put some sort of um, some sort of uh, stress on the relationship between the two of them when he has to seduce sort of uh, the girlfriend of the Charlie character in order to plant a tracker so they can find out where she's going but it must have uh, mucus in order to, to move around really with all of the other things that you've got, this has to have, it was so manufactured, so fabricated as to be ridiculous and a pretty obvious ploy. And it wasn't even handled well once they put the ploy in there. The It, it was just weird. It just didn't work. And then it created that visual moment where you have his hand running down the front and down the uh, sensitive area I mean, just like right up in the camera. Another another instance, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me, 
But I could see that there would, like I said, there would be like people going on a date to see this film. And not everybody has the same tolerance level to something like that. Uh, especially since this is a movie where you don't necessarily go, hey, I have to see it because I saw the original. It's, a, it's one of those things you can see the sequel without seeing the original necessarily and still be pretty much okay. So you might have some newbies coming into this not knowing what to expect. And even the people coming from the previous film might not expect this. And it might throw some people off, which it's just kind of an odd choice, I guess, uh, is is all I'm saying. Some 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 weird placement. Um I mean, because it's just, I guess it's, it's, it seems like something that you wouldn't expect to see in the film. And that's what throws it off. I don't think it's that bad, but it's just such a glaring difference. Add into the fact that they have some odd musical choices. They do have Elton John in it, which is just kind of joyous the way they did it. That, that really worked. Uh, the bit where you get the perspective of the robot dog and he just hops in front because the dog considers him a friend. He won't attack. That was, that was clever. That was a lot of fun. It was just silly. Um, that part I got behind. The flying jump kick by Elton John, that I couldn't get behind. There is a 0% chance that Elton John would be able to pull off that move even in a heightened state of youth. Uh, at his current age, wearing what he was wearing, Zero percent chance. Again, you can pull your brain away on these movies to a certain level, but everybody has that line that crosses where you get just hold on, hold on. What? No, that was just dumb. Um, I know it's intended to be silly, and it was, and it was definitely silly. But at the same time, it's just like, come on, man. I'm I'm trying to suspend my disbelief enough to stay in it enough with the film, and that no, that yanked me right out just immediately. Um, the awful country cover to the cameo song Word Up. That was also awful. Yes, I get it. There is a, a sister organization to the Kingsmen that's based in Kentucky, and they're all cowboys. Great. Not every song needs to be country or needs to be a country cover of a popular song. Country is a very difficult form of music to pull off well. When you do it right, you get something like a Johnny Cash or you get uh, something like a Chris Stapleton. And that, that's fantastic. But a lot of it, because it's harder, a lot of it, at least in my opinion, is just awful. And, and especially when you're going to do a cover of a song that is a funk song, funk does not lend itself to country. I'm sorry. It does not work 99.9% of the time. I'm sure there's got to be an exception to it. I have not heard it yet. I love funk. I love country when it's done well. I've never seen the two blended and have it work. Um, again, that threw me off just, just completely. Um, there were other problems that I had with it. Uh, the, the fact that they have a sister organization and their Armageddon protocol or whatever it is, where, where when their organization is grounded, where they're supposed to go, they don't really give them any instructions but a whiskey bottle where they're supposed to just figure out that there's this other organization. It's a little bit of a stretch. I can mostly get past that. That clue wasn't my problem so much as there was an identical organization in the United States they never mentioned in the previous film and nobody knew about it. That makes no sense. Again, it's just, it it's yanks me right out of the plot. And it's like, how... How is that even possible? Even if you're like a super secret organization, 
how could you not basically know about most of the other, if not all of the other organizations, especially when it's basically the same organization, just in a different continent? So I got past that, um, barely. Uh, I had some issues with the golden circle tattoo that was also kind of dumb, um, not being a medical expert. Maybe it makes sense that you could tattoo uh, molten gold into your skin and it wouldn't crack or do anything else. But uh, it seems to me that it's still metal, even if it's soft metal, and that just wouldn't work. Um, a minor thing. But here's my biggest problem with the writing on the, on the film. Uh, my biggest problem is it's the exact same plot as the previous film. I mean, almost down to a letter. In the previous film, man becomes member of secret intel organization. Another man who has a good thought about how things are going poorly takes the worst possible actions to fix the major problem and is willing to kill a lot of people to do it. It's the same plot. This time it's just a woman that's in charge, sees a massive problem, wants to fix the problem, does it in the worst possible way, isn't afraid of killing a lot of people to do it. They just add in the fact that the government doesn't care if those other people die. Great. That's that's a twist. Um, really? Uh, a little weak. Uh, now, I mean, I've got to be fair with this, too. A lot of films have essentially the same plot. But you can do enough of a spin, enough of, of a progression to make it feel really new and to, to kind of progress, like I said, progress, progression, right, to, to go to the next step. And it kind of helps you to, to basically ignore that you've watched the same film. I don't think this uh, sequel really did that. I mean, it, it advanced some things. It had some... It had some fun points. I mean, like the fact that the Galahad character loses an eye in the process, his depth perception is wrong, and he's very um, uh, very rusty in getting back into the swing of things. That was kind of nice. It was a nice throwback, and the scene was done pretty well. And like I said, the fight sequences were fantastic. The way that they were able to work in lasso work and bullwhip and make it seem cool, because those two things I would never call cool weapons. Even if you put a spy twist on it, who's going to put a spy twist on a lasso? That just seems stupid. And they made it work. It worked really well. But it still had a lot of just glaring writing problems. So I would probably give this a 12 out of 15 uh, in total points. That gives us a final score of 79 uh, out of 100, giving it a, a solid C+. Because it was still, even with all of its flaws, it was still fun to watch. It just had, I just suffered the problem of yo-yoing, being ripped out of the movie and then back into it just by some writing choice that just made no sense or science that made no sense. And it was it was glaring enough to just make me facepalm and I had to get back into the movie again. So maybe not something I would want to watch repeatedly, but it was worth the, the watch that I had. Um, so... What I really want to know, though, is what do you think? You should definitely let us know on social media. We are at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter, at Pudding Guys on Instagram and Facebook. We are even at Pudding Guys on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can help support us in our creation of new content and our judgment of other people's work. Uh, 
until next time, keep watching movies, even if we can't do it out in public in large groups, stay safe at home and immerse yourself in the glory of pop culture. 